everything's going well. The finances is a hard part. Luckily, we've been storing our nuts for a long time, and you know, worst case, everything will be fine. But I thought you got a vasectomy. Well, they're still you, there. You, 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 you don't understand how that works, right? <laughs> what? Wait, what did I get done then? <laughs> You're listening to episode 113 of PHP Ugly. 113. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson. Interrupting me as usual is my good friend, John, the Star Congdon. Hola. 113, why have we done so many of these things? It's crazy. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm very lucky. I haven't gotten paid for any of them. Also with me tonight, Thomas, <laughs> right out. <laughs> Everything I everything that popped in my head was so inappropriate I didn't want to put it out there. Oh I know. I immediately I could mm-hmm. read it on your face. <laughs> you ran through two seconds of horrible insulting things and then just said my last name. <laughs> it's good so, to be here anyways though. Yeah. So you say we haven't gotten paid for any we should start a Patreon account. I'm sure there's all of a half well, a person that wants to contribute. I already did. There's what? no interest. Well, I say, why do you want to disappoint yourself like that, John? What do you mean you already you started one? You can't get people to contribute if you don't tell people it's out there. Yeah, you weren't there for Did that episode. Start? Oh, was I? Was I there? Yeah. Did you have an episode with us? Without us? Is there really a Patreon out there with us? Uh, I start. I started one, but then it's all like, "Tell us about you," and I got real self conscious and stopped. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, you didn't actually imagine. Actually start imagine. A imagine if a stranger is like, "Hey, do you have a podcast?" And you're like, "Yeah, I actually do have a podcast." And they're like, "What's it about?" And you're like, "So, what are you up to this weekend?" Because <laughs> that was that was the chain of events for signing up for Patreon. I sit around with my jerk friends, and they all make fun of me. <laughs> oh, John, too John's much, nice Thomas. to me. Not always. You know. I get a lot of criticism about giving you a hard time, Thomas, and I feel like I I am the most loving guy with you of of everybody on the team. I I, I care for you more than you care for yourself, but everybody gives me a hard time and says I'm a big meanie and and I should stop doing what I do. And it hurts it hurts my feelings. I have feelings too because you guys happen to have good conversation. You're mean. So what have you guys been up to this week? Wow, that was a weird transition. <laughs> we're, we're 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 touching on a topic that just Thomas doesn't want. He's not ready to to discuss right now. Uh, no, I just have a head cold. I can't get into it. Uh, me too. All right, I, I'm just getting over mine. You've been listening. You've been listening to PHP Ugly. I'm John Congdon. <laughs> I told John. Oh, we're not I, I had to do a talk last night at uh, the user group SDPHP. I saw Which, that. We live streamed here on PHP Ugly. And he did that. an awesome job. I was ac- actually very shocked. You know what wasn't in the live stream? <laughs> that, you see, people listening to the show, that's mean. Those backhanded compliments from John, Eric did really well. I mean, it was surprising. <laughs> that's what mean is. That's the definition no, of mean. No, no. Jerks. We don't use a lot of NoSQL in our environment. And you knew way more about NoSQL, a bunch of different options than I did. Like, I know a lot of those are out there, but the fact that you had 
you had examples and you had like, hey, let's play with this one and like actually well, got and, into it. And in the previous was, podcast, he had said that he didn't know no SQL and this was going to be a terrible meetup. Well, I mean, he did that well, it, at the beginning of his talk too. He's like, this will be about a 10 minute talk. Turned out to be like two hours. <laughs> People start looking at their watches like, is he going to stop talking anytime soon? <laughs> It turned out to be a very long talk, I know. But I, I was telling John, I, I was sick last week, like, especially near the end of the week. Um, I don't remember how it was for the show, but, man, I was so sick by by Friday. And I, I had said, I, I had been pushing pushing off doing the talk. I'm like, I'll just do it this weekend. I'll do it this weekend. And I straight up slept through Saturday. Like, I was probably awake Saturday for, like, three hours of the entire day. And I, I got up Sunday. I'm like, oh crap! I, I've got to get something done here. I, I don't want to sit. I don't want to sit this meetup and look like a total idiot. So I just want to look like a partial idiot. <laughs> and so I, I put some stuff together. Fortunately, I you know I I have been looking into this enough where you know I had had some ideas of things to talk about. But you did you know, good. It it's frustrating. You know, I tried to do it again, and it okay. I wasn't feeling great all that but i've done this before and i've had the same problem i i like to do code examples because we're developers we're php developers that's what we do for a living so i i really like to have code examples for the group and every package that i try to implement for all the document stores the NoSQL document stores like couchdb mongo every package i try to implement every one of them didn't work and it's so it was, it's so frustrating because I, I feel like I would actually use some of these NoSQL solutions more. It's just, I don't know. It's frustrating to me. And I don't know why. I get frustrated with myself, too, because I don't know why I'm so dependent on packages, especially with uh, CouchDB solution. I've used CouchDB in applications before. Where I've just written my own service around Guzzle because it's all HTTP protocols. That's that's how you interact with it. So it's not it's not that difficult. It's just I didn't you know I didn't feel like doing it this weekend. There are packages out there. I felt like I should have been able to install one of these packages. And these packages look very promising from the Laravel communities because they they um, they, they they they're presented as a drop in into the eloquent model. So not only are you using uh, these NoSQL solutions like Mongo or CouchDB, but you're using it in the typical eloquent fashion, which does look appealing to me. Now, I don't do, I haven't done that before, but like none of them work. And it's so frustrating, man. I, I couldn't get any of them working, but, but yeah, you know, and doing the research for the talk again, yeah, I, I've got to say, uh, using a document store is definitely in my future. Uh, I, 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 the more I think about it, the more I position my data, my data sets to use UUIDs, and the idea of taking a user UUID and attaching it to some document in a document store. Uh, I mean, that just seems so appealing to me, as opposed to trying to keep whatever the document is representing. And the relational database, just throwing it in a document store. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. So would you do just ancillary data or are you talking about like a complete application? Yeah. Um, I, 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 baby steps for me. 
So yeah, it would be ancillary data. Uh, you know, just like um, just. I mean, I, I think I would be pretty aggressive with it, um, but I, I pull up short of committing to not using relational databases. I mean, I just, I'm just not there yet. Yeah, but we, we have David on our team. You, you mentioned him last night at the meetup. Who most people tell me that are used to MySQL say, "Well, give me a reason to use NoSQL solutions," and he's completely the other way. Tell me why you would need a relational database. Like he's all in yeah. NoSQL, and he's pretty adamant about it. And it's just I want to be there, and I just can't. So, and, and I I feel like I have arguments for both ends. the The argument I made last night that so many people are able to relate to, and Thomas, I'm sure you're able to re relate to this, is as developers, how many times have you had to create a column in a table or create a completely new table to represent maybe 5% of your data, you know, because there's this fraction of your data that needed this extra piece of information. You now have to carry this, this extra baggage of a column or another table or something like that. Or a migration um, too. A production migration is like my total nightmare. Right. And so with, with no SQL solutions, I, you know, I, I explain why that, obstacle isn't in front of you it's if you have a, a document that needs extra data you just put the extra data in the document it's it's no big deal the burden's on you as a developer on how you use that data and knowing that data is there and accessible i mean that's the that's the one thing so so to flip that script um the the drawback to NoSQL solutions is I can't look anywhere and see a structure of my data. I can't look at something and say, okay, here's what all my user data consists of because every record could have different information. And they, they all have like these uh, query languages and I don't know, maybe it is just a matter of learning that query language, but still for me, it's so much easier to look at a table in a database tool like SQL Pro or Table Plus and look how data is related and say, okay, I want to select this from here, that from there, this from there, and, and see where the data is, you know, in, in my in my architecture. And with NoSQL solutions, you don't have that. You, you have no way of knowing what's in all the documents. You don't even know if all the documents are user documents. I mean, hmm. you hope there are user documents if that's how you have your database structured, but there's no guarantees. So that, that, that's just, that's the, that's the biggest concern for me. I mean, I, I actually ran into that today. So for the main project I work on, it's basically a CRM and I keep wanting to use it just for that because there's so much data involved with a single user. And the big thing is leads, but people can have millions of leads in there. So I don't want to load all that into a JSON one that I just couldn't with memory constraints. So I, I, that's where I can't get my head around. How do you make all that work? So, so all the leads, all the leads would have all that, all their information in there, right? Yeah. They have all the pretty much same information as a user, you know, name, yeah. address, phone number, email address, plus a t slew of other data that goes with it. And it's how do you load the data you need properly without loading the entire document? Right. So, 
chunking. So this this is this is where well this is where talking through through it with somebody like David's helpful for me for some, something like that. You know, because because there's no sequel doesn't mean that you can't have relationships. And so for me, I I, I would have probably the leads be uh, all every lead be its own separate document, and then who that lead belongs to would be a UUID in that leads document, and you would query that way. Yeah, but then you're back to a, a relational database. Mm. Well, but but you are, and again, not understanding your complete data structure, but what that frees you up with is the information related to that lead doesn't have to be consistent. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, and I don't know if that applies, but, you know, it's kind of like that. It's like each lead could have different pieces of data that maybe another lead doesn't have to have. Which happens all the time. Yeah. So that's that's where you would kind of win, win out, win, get a little bit of a win with that. It's, I mean... I mean Honestly, been doing this long enough. It seems like NoSQL solutions are going to have a place in every architecture. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever be like David, where I will be one of these people who says I don't need relational databases anymore. Yeah. I, I see a marriage. Uh, I, I bet if you've got a a good application under your belt where it was all NoSQL, you might be in that uh, same boat. It, it's having that that confidence to use it. It would be my guess. You know, he had this aha moment like, oh, this is how I'm going to do it. And so yeah. now now it's always that way. And it's very appealing with your data stores being your API endpoints. I mean, that just takes so much development time off the table. If you've already got API endpoints with the data you need, it's, I mean, man, that that's, that's, why, that's why you get that agile development right there. It seems like the natural progression for OOP development is OOP databases. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I had a meetup too. Well, let let me let me touch on one more thing. Not not, not to catch you off, Thomas. I'm glad you had a meetup. I'm glad you went. I want to talk. I want to ask you about that. My cat is here eating my pot. Look at this. Your pot? What? Look at this guy. This guy is sitting here. This cat. We... We adopted these kittens. Uh, I understand listeners of the podcast aren't seeing the video, but for the last couple of weeks, if you watch the video, you've seen a little kitten or, or two little kittens jumping on me as I'm broadcasting. And tonight's no exception. One of the one of the kittens is jumping on me. So we adopted these kittens probably a month or two ago, probably about two months ago now. And they still live like they're feral cats. I mean, the damn cats eat anything on the floor. Like, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Even though they always have food down, always have water down. These cats will... I, the, I caught one eating my cough drop when I was not feeling well last week. I'm like, they eat anything. I don't know what the hell's wrong with these cats. Is there food next to their water? Uh, yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's why. Really? Yeah. Why? Cats, wait, wait, I don't get it. Cats inherently distrust food that's next to water because food, water spoils food for cats. Water will cause I... spoilage. Also, cats' whiskers get overstimulated by bowls. You should be feeding them on a plate because the edges of the bowls, they don't want to eat into the edges. It overstimulates them. No kidding. Yeah. So when you switch... I, 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 can't, I can't tell when you're BSing me and when you're when you really... Have like good information. How, how do I feel about my cats? Okay, 
Okay, I, I heard that. I, I see why people say it mean to you. See? <laughs> <laughs> Eric's, got his, uh, Eric's got his microphone on in his own headset for today's episode, so he's hearing himself for the first time. So, uh, oh, so the last thing I wanted to touch on from our meetup is um, one, of the, one of the principles or concepts around NoSQL Solution was this eventual consistency. And how funny of a term I thought that was when I first heard it. And the first time I heard the term of eventual consistency, I said, okay, right there is why I will never use NoSQL, because that is a ridiculous statement. And then, of course, now that I've gotten the exposure and I've, I've, I have actually used it a little bit, I understand the, no, or the eventual consistency statement. And it was fun kind of explaining that to people. Of, that it means well, like milliseconds? No, no, no. It means like, you know, because of the nature of NoSQL, the databases actually are easy to replicate. And so entire databases will be replicated to mobile devices. And those mobile devices can go offline. And so that's what allows the mobile device to continue to work with a data set when it's offline. And then when it comes back online, it, and it could be, you know, minutes, hours, days, when it comes back online, it starts to replicate its data. And eventually, you'll get consistency of your data. <laughs> so, all right, I'm sorry, Thomas, you said you had a meetup. Any, anything interesting? Any any cool things happen? Any giveaways? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> that, that was a quick conversation next. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> it was an issue. Wrong it's an issue that we've encountered before. Um, so it was, it was me and Brian Johnson, wave PHP speaker, Brian Johnson. Thank you. <laughs> About to say the same thing. <laughs> and his Go. presentation was on, uh, TDD. Good, good topic. Yes. So it's, it's a really fortunate topic because I've never done TDD and really, the, the method he was presenting was very interesting. We had a lot to talk about with this whole method. It, uh, it, it included a gulp file. His presentation had a gulp file that committed every time he wrote one line of code. That committed to the, to the repo? Yes. It ran the test. Wait, what? No, he's saying it committed. <laughs> it committed. So he, he was going... He, he went to a Ruby meetup where they discussed this method, and it's from a, a book I... I feel terrible I forgot the name of it but it's about TDD and it's this incredibly meticulous method that's designed to get you into very specific habits for eventual refactor of code and code style and and how to detect smells before they develop into full-blown problems and it was this very fascinating method um, which like I said is really good because it was just me and him <laughs> no, nobody else showed up, huh? No, what? I don't believe you. Did did, did one of really? you forget to put it on Meetup or something? No, there were six people who were registered to attend, and you know how this goes. You know, mm. it rained for about five minutes before the Meetup, like an hour before the Meetup, which mm. which means that everyone who marked themselves to attend just was like, "Oh, Jesus, it's raining. We can't go now." I'm not putting up with that traffic, right? So, you know, yeah. and I've we've we've had this problem. We've had meetups where it was me and you and John, or me and Eric and John and Frank. 
I say I, I think the 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 less the, the smallest we've ever had it, it was about a half a dozen. That was my six or seven. It was my talk. I remember it very clearly. <laughs> and it was it was it was it was rough. I know I know that feeling of people not showing up and how you sort of invest yourself into something and you know he had yeah. pizza, he had pizza and soda and I felt I felt awful but I I also I know how that goes that it's you can't control attendance at meetups and you know colorado springs is not the the hotbed of php development that's denver is where you yeah. would, would go for it and he goes right. to the meetups in denver uh, i was saying you guys have a meetup there now too yeah there is a denver php meetup uh there's a couple mm-hmm. javascript ruby react things like that um yeah. and those are the more popular meetups so so i'm presenting at the next uh uh peak php meetup Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm hoping that so, one other person shows up, but not too I mean, many maybe, people, because I don't want him to feel like it was him that was the problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, John, you know, this is not what John and I want to hear. Seeing how Brian is a wave PHP speaker, it was great. But, it was a, he did a really great job, and I love. I, he did lots of live coding. He was mm-hmm. he knew what he was doing back and forth. Um, you know, and and he he had only gone through the presentation once before. It was a presentation that he was was co-opting from a Ruby presentation, and yeah, he's a great speaker. I'm I'm all for seeing him present. Uh, he's going to be presenting a PHP unit at uh, the conference. A beginner's guide, which is which is a presentation that he's given at Peak PHP that I really enjoyed. It was a great great work. Well, so I know he's but he's polishing the, it and putting it ready for the the conference. Now the more important question in his slide deck: Did he have anything about Wave PHP? And it, when he went to Denver, did he promote it? He <laughs> important topics. He had the sticker on his on his laptop. He didn't have a slide deck. And the first thing I said when I saw him was, "Congratulations on Wave PHP." So he didn't have to like announce to the group that he was speaking at Wave PHP. And John, you know, uh, Denver PHP is run by Amanda Folsom, hmm. who is also a Wave PHP speaker presenter. What's she presenting? Uh, Amanda is present. I think she's actually doing two talks. Uh, she's doing uh, "Silence Is Deadly," mm-hmm. and uh, was there another one? Twenty-first century DNS blacklists. There you go. Twenty-first century <clears throat> DNS blacklists. Room so, yeah. A and Room B, you have multiple rooms. This is wait. This is a two-track. Pre- this is a two-track conference. Two-track conference. How did yes. I not know that? I don't know. Because you don't like us. You don't talk to us. It, it almost became a three-track conference. Actually, I mean, John and I debated very heavily about making a three three-track conference, but just uh, I don't know. I mean, couldn't justify the expense of of flying out that many more presenters. Yeah, it's gonna but be expense. great. And you know what? I'm really excited to hear that Al, uh, Cal Evans is going to be the keynote speaker. Well, Cal Evans, yeah. yes, the godfather of PHP. See, I had to be the one to say that because screw you guys for keeping me in the dark for four months. <laughs> <laughs> I watched, I I watched Eric's YouTube stream of his presentation hoping to catch who the keynote speaker was, and it's not in it. <laughs> it is in it. It's in there. You've got to watch the intro slides. It's in the intro slides. 
It was totally, I'm, it was totally I'm still in there. I'm still so upset at you guys. We really <laughs> thought you knew and were messing with us this I, entire time. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally thought you had figured it out, Thomas, and you were just you were just giving us a hard time. I probably should have now, spent some time trying to figure it out, but I, I threw out Rasmus, and then you got, you said no, and I just sort of went, well, I don't know who it is. I'm Yeah, I really wanted Rasmus, and, and I did reach out to him, and he did reply. He's a great guy, uh, did reply, and just said that the timing wasn't going to work for him. And then, of course, then I'm seeing him post all this stuff on Twitter about how he's in California driving around in his new Tesla. I'm like, drive that bitch down to San Diego, man. You're <laughs> yeah, here. It's got insanity Jesus. mode, doesn't it? Exactly. But, uh, yeah, Cal was actually the first person who committed to a PHP. Uh, yeah. Obviously, nobody knows that, but... Uh, yeah, well, now I reached do. out to him last year. He was my first choice. He's had such a big influence on me as a developer. Jeez, uh, going back eight years ago. So, definitely wanted him as a speaker. Or and I think keynoter. we talked about this... I think we talked about this on the show in the past, but I'll rehash it now that it's obvious who it is. You know, I, I've associated with Cal over Twitter for a while now. Cal, Cal is very, um, if, if you're, if you're a user group organizer, you probably know Cal Evans because he will reach out to you. He's very helpful. He's, you know, he's always there with advice and, and, uh, you know, willing to help you out. So I, I've been talking to Cal for years over Twitter and I ran into him first time in real life. We kept missing each other at conferences. Um, he even came out here to yeah. San Diego. For, he kept seeing you for first. a WordPress for a WordPress conference or something. And we kept saying, "Okay, let's meet up for drinks. Let's meet up for drinks." And we never we never met up for drinks. So when John and I went to Austin, I got to meet him. I'm like, corner him, Cal. Hey, I'm Eric. I, I'm from San Diego. I'm so happy to finally meet you. He's like. Hey, you know, Eric's nice to meet you. I don't think it registered with him exactly who I was at the time. But I'm like, hey, you know, looking forward to seeing you in San Diego at Wave PHP. And he just says, I don't know if I'm going to make that. Like, well, <laughs> Cal, that's a big problem because you're a keynote speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and then it hit him, right? At that point. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, yes, then, he, then, Eric then I think him. he realized. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, Cal put a, a uh, video up. That you shared on, I, I believe, on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be presenting Groupies, Roadies, and Rockstars, uh, the various contributors to open source projects. Which I, I think is a new talk. I don't no, think it's a talk he's done before. It's not, it's no, he's done it before. And he says it's his favorite one. It's high energy. He loves doing it. And oh, okay. I was talking to him last week, and I was like, you know, we want to we announce that you're the keynoter. And he goes... Wait, I might have an idea. Give me the weekend. And then, what was it, Saturday or Sunday, he sends us this video out of nowhere. And I was like, way to go. <laughs> I yeah, like that. It's, it's great. Perfect. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting excited about the conference and uh, seeing it come together. Um, obviously, we're looking for more sponsors. I mean, the, the financial aspect of it is, you know, a struggle. <laughs> but... But the organization of the conference, I, I'm getting nervous about how well it's going. Like, I'm waiting to hear well, from the Bahia of saying, oh, hey, by the way, we our, our audio video guy won't be here uh, for your conference. So you guys have to come up with something else. Because it just seems like it's too easy to put things in place. Yeah. Everything's going well. The finances is a hard part. Luckily, we've been storing our nuts for a long time and, you know. Worst case, 
everything will be fine, but... I thought you got a vasectomy. <laughs> well, you, they're still you there. Don't, you, you, you don't understand how that works, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, wait, what did I get done then? <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, cold difference. Somebody operation. owes you some answers. <laughs> In a couple nuts. If only, if only I could find my wife. I don't know where she is right now, actually. <laughs> oh, that's convenient. Still have not found your wife. She's very busy. We're, we're woman. still, we're, we're still playing this game, huh? No, oh, she's teaching summer school <laughs> at midnight. Shh. Oh gosh, Thomas. I really hope you come to grips with reality. No, you don't. Then we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> I have an article here. Okay. I need your guys' opinion. Articles. Python. Did you know that Python Worthless. has a benevolent dictator for life? Yes. Uh, Guido Van Rossum. And he has published notification that he is no longer interested in being a benevolent dictator for life. Interesting. And Does he state a case? Um... He doesn't state a case, but he gives his reasons, uh, you know, medical concerns that he doesn't want to get into. Uh, PEP 572 is the, I God knows what that means. PEP? PEP. I, I don't know what PEPs are. I don't do Python. Yeah. I do very little Python. Uh, Python enhancement proposals. So mm-hmm. it looks like it's the RFC track for Python in- improvements. Um, mm-hmm. And he he stated that now that the whole thing is done, 572 is done, he doesn't want to have to fight for uh, uh, a pep that hard again. And mm. he thinks that the community can handle it, mm. which is interesting. So he came out and said, I'm not going to appoint a successor. I am mm. dropping it. I am dropping the whole thing in the hands of the community. Let's see what they do. Mm. Um and it's very interesting. Uh, he, he questions in his post, so what are you all going to do? Create a democracy, anarchy, a dictatorship, a federation? I'm not worried about the day-to-day decisions in the issue tracker or on GitHub. Uh, very rarely I get asked for an opinion, and usually it's not actually important. So this can just be dealt with as it's always been dealt with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a different model. It's just a different open source model. We, we've talked in the past about some of the pros and cons of it. Um, I'm kind of a fan of the uh, of of this of him stepping down. I I can understand. Um, I mean, I think every open source project needs one leader until it gets to a certain size, until it gets a, a certain amount of uh, of an ecosystem behind it where it's able to survive by itself. Uh, too often, I think you know people. Uh, and I think this is part of the burnout people have with open source as well. Developers, uh, open source developers have, is, you know, a lot of times they start these projects and they don't want to have to babysit them. They they want the community to take them over. But, you know, community's not there all the time from the beginning, especially for smaller projects. But something large like Python, you know, you just, you you let it, you let it mature. You let it make sure that, it has a leadership that kind of shares the same values and direction that you see for the language. But yeah, I feel like when, when 
open source projects get to that level, it does make sense to take a step back. Because, I mean, unless you're making bank off of it, it's a huge burden. I, I couldn't imagine what it's like to run a project like Python or, I mean, even, you know, Laravel we talk about a lot. I, I couldn't imagine being the single bottleneck in those pro in those projects. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, I think it'll be good. That's um, one of the interesting things that, that came to me though, is that he, he, he has the title, you know, benevolent dictator for life and talks about fighting over this proposal, which is mm -hmm. to introduce a new, a new operator for assigning, uh, variables within an expression. And, it seems like if you have to fight for this thing that you're proposing, that's not yeah. really the dictator title that you think it is. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. Because I, I can think of other projects under a benevolent dictator for life, and that's surprise features. That's just, hey, this feature is here all of a sudden. No one asked for it, but I love it. Yeah. And that's to me, well, that's and, benevolent and dictator. Again, that that that's just up to the individual ruler. It's how they how they want to rule their kingdom. And he's always been he's let the community run Python for a while. And he's just slowly been absorbed in that community. Now he's just kind of making it official, I think, and stepping down and saying, Okay, you know, let's Well within the and Python I always, I always assumed I always assumed he was so the Python community was the first place I had ever heard that expression. The limited or what's BDFLs, Benevolent Dictator for Life. Yeah. That, that that was the first time I had ever heard it. And I always thought it was applied to him as kind of a a joke honor of, hey, thank you for doing this. This is who you are to us always moving forward. But I've always seen in practice, it, it's really been a community-driven language. Like, he's never exercised, or, or I don't follow Python that closely, so I shouldn't say never exercised, but I had never seen... Uh, instance where he kind of stopped the brakes on something that the community was supporting. I mean, that's nice. No, I don't care for this. We're not implementing it. Now, to be fair, I, I, Python is extraordinarily mature language. And, and very, I mean, very old too, right? Right. So it's it's not like something is going to come up where he has to put the brakes on it because if something comes up that's crazy, then the community is already going to slam on the brakes and say you can't do that. I think in this case, yeah. the term dictator just refers to the, his access to the repo. He gets to tag stuff and release stuff. Yeah. And that he's he could, he's very simply taking himself out of that loop so that you can't go to him and say, can this be pushed or can this be discussed? Because, like he said here, very rarely do I get an asked for an opinion, and usually it's not actually important. So now he's just removing the occasional it's not actually important part. Um, yeah. And he still gets to be involved in the community you know he's still the guy mm -hmm. uh it's just that i think he's removing his own permissions from the system at a certain point that's gonna be weird man could you be could you imagine being the creator of python and just coming to the realization of you know hey this is not this is not my project anymore you know i i don't really need to be the head of this project anymore it's, it's isn't that what having teenagers is like though just that process of going, I just can't control. I just, they're just on their own now. Why are they, why are they still in the house? Essentially, he's kicking his kids out of the house. He's saying, you're old enough. Get the fuck out. 
don't know, that would be weird to me. I, I, I know I'm pretty protect, protective of the code I write. I don't, I don't like people touching my code. And, yeah, I, maybe that's why I, I never really became a very good open source developer. I, I always wanted to be one, but I just never had, like, I never had a good enough idea of something that enough people needed to, to, to make it worth developing. And, and nor was I ever, ever, did I ever feel like I was good enough to, to, to actually develop it. I'm gonna, I still, I still fight imposter syndrome. I'm going to be, I'm going to be I, abandoning the uh, Laravel Iron Q project pretty soon. Really? Why is that? Huh. Well, at, at work, we're moving away from Iron Q. It's an unnecessary expense given all of the options that we have now. Uh, Laravel matured to make other options significantly better. Uh-huh. And so, so, so you're you're you'll step you're gonna be stepping away from the Laravel Collective at, at all, as a whole, or just that one project? I'm only involved in it as as that one project. I'd actually like to get involved in some of the other stuff we still use, but uh, the Laravel Collective sort of exists just to cover 4.0 stuff that got deleted from the 5.0 branch. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know how long it's expected to survive anyway it's so slowly getting less and less relevant i mean I, I know the big one that stayed relevant for a long time was the was the blade stuff the html uh stuff that they they kept current which i still which people, i still use yeah a lot of, a lot of people will still use that one i mean that's um yeah well you know thanks thanks for the the effort you did do <laughs> <laughs> I did no. I did a good amount. I, I think I kept it maintained from uh, five point one to five point six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what else you guys up to? Anything? Well, I mean, you're just you're just opening it up for doom and gloom here. But John said he had stuff. I did. He, yeah, you were talking earlier about how great of a contribution you've provided the last two episodes, and just because you didn't have items on your <laughs> list doesn't mean you have nothing to say. Way to call me out there. Bastard. Well, there's dead air. I had to do something. <laughs> you should be used to that at this point. We're like an hour into this thing, so it's already done. We're ready to wrap up. I've got okay. I've got some interesting 40 stuff. Minutes. I've got interesting stuff. Right. There's a new RFC yeah. for PHP that I really enjoy. Okay. Uh, user-defined object comparison. Do explain. Uh... You can do, right now, uh, various different bizarre comparisons of objects, such as date times and things like that. And it seems like you sort of get a a random result out of it, usually. Uh, And the idea here is to introduce new uh, built-in methods for handling object comparison. Uh, So right now, you, you can't really say, is this object equal to this object? Uh, mm-hmm. unless they're identical. Uh, this would introduce the underscore underscore equals method so that it returns a an expected result. So when you say object equals equals object, you would receive object one into object two, and object two would process it with the underscore underscore equals method. Is that really necessary? It, I was just wondering the same thing. <laughs> it could be, because if you've got a couple different types of date-time objects that might return different things when they're two-string, because two-string is the current method used for comparison. Right. 
But toString is the same for less than, greater than, less than or equal, greater than or equal, or equals equals, or not equals. It's just always toString. Okay. So this would allow you to have the underscore underscore compare to method, which would process greater than or less than, and greater than or equal than, less than or equal than. So you could you can put additional logic into your stuff where you can process things that aren't strings or or things that wouldn't be processed correctly as strings. I just can't think of a time where I've needed that. Let's say you all. have let's say you have two objects that measure the weight of vehicles in different units. You've got a kilogram object. You've got an object that measures in kilograms and an object that measures in pounds. Okay. You could incorporate into your base trait for those objects the universal way of measuring these two items. So you could say when you're comparing these two items, always make it equal kilograms. So my equals my underscore underscore equal converts my object into kilograms first and then checks for uh, a value comparison. Versus having that method on there already and calling it and comparing it. Right, because this this function is as an operator. Yeah. I probably never use it. Not every new function is the the most Kong amazing Kong new functionality, but I like you do it. You get the seal of approval from Congdon. Oh, I right. think it'd just be confusing for me. But then again, I'm not that good of a programmer. So, speaking of which, have you guys read the Gang of Four, the Design Patterns book? I've tried Gang to of many four? times. No. So, uh, is it hear, on Audible? I've been I've been no. hearing people I've been hearing people talk about it for years, and like I feel like I have a like a conceptual idea of design patterns, but I'm finally I finally bought it. Started reading it recently, I'm, so now I want to do a present presentation at SDPHP on design patterns specifically, or do a series of talks at a meetup because I'll I think send it's you important. mine because I did the Gang of Four design pattern talk at SDPHP. Well, can you do, can just you do for that? the record? Don't don't look for Gang of Four on Audible. <laughs> There's just a lot of porn <laughs> on Audible. It, it does. Yeah, it's it's uh. Yeah, it's a lot of porn. <laughs> a, a, a lot of very naughty books. And oddly enough, a couple of children's books in there. I, I don't know. I've, I'm very conflicted here with, with this with these search results. Conflicted is not supposed to be the term you use there. <laughs> you should be solidly don't want to hear audio porn or children's books. I didn't even know yeah. audio porn was a thing. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't think it wasn't a thing. I mean, you know. You've heard of oral sex, right? Is that, is that uh, not the same thing? That's, no? that's with an AU. Oh, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> yes, the Gang All of right. Four. The Gang of Four book is is very dense. Very. It was intended for C, I believe. Or uh, no, I'm sorry, C plus plus. I mean, it's just a. It's just taking design patterns. It wasn't meant for any specific language, really. Well, that book though. All of the examples are C++. I'm sure, I'm sure most of it. I'm not into it far enough to know, but it's more about the concepts than necessarily the code. I tried to get into it, and I, I got up to the protocol uh, design pattern, and that's a rough one. 
I'll check it out. My my big thing is I'm working with people that know design patterns makes it really difficult because I'm used to just getting stuff done, right? And when you start having other people pick apart your work, not in a bad way, they're just like, well, you should replace this with this type of object and that with that type of object. And here's how you make them talk together properly. And it's like, okay, yeah. um, I just want this to work and it works the way it is. Do I really have to make these changes? Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like... Well, you guys it, use it's, repositories. It's, it's not... Yeah, I mean that's what's right. It's it's nice being at the level that I'm at or that that we're at, and getting more and more into you know kind of the computer sciencey piece of development. But you know, I, yeah, I start to hit that ceiling where I'm like, okay, I, I I've reached my limit of understanding of what the hell you're saying. Now I know how to get this done. Let me get it done. And I have to fight through that because I do appreciate and do enjoy learning uh, this stuff uh, so much um, that I, ha- I have to. But I, but I I'm with John on this. It's like it's it. You feel like you feel like a intern again. You feel like a, a, a again impersonation uh, syndrome. Like wait a minute, I, I've never really been a developer because I don't understand these conversations and I, and I'm not at that level. And the repository pattern is just a pattern. I mean, yeah, but there's you so use many. It. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you I know patterns. out of hand. That's my, yeah, my but, thing is that if you, but, once... but, but some people say, I mean, the, like the way I use a repository pattern and we had this conversation, I've had this conversation with you. Absolutely. I use, I use, you use it with, wrong, you know, with, with Laravel. There you go. I use it wrong. So I call it a repository <laughs> pattern, but you know, smarter people than than me say no. That's not a repository pattern. You don't know what you're talking about, and you know, whatever. I, to me, my experience with it is that it really breaks down to more files. You're right. gonna you're gonna have all to the, make all of it. All of it is more files. Right. The, end of day, it's all methods. It's all PHP code. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's a method with PHP code. Right. I and mean, it's my my experience with with design patterns is. Why would you need to use a uh, transform design pattern here? And it's like, well, if you work every day in stuff that needs to be transformed, then the transform design pattern works really great, and you just start using it, or you've been using it and didn't notice. And as Laravel developers, we use a lot of the core design patterns without even thinking. Uh, I mean, just MVC is model view controller. That's three design patterns right there. Yeah, but there's, I mean, there's tons of them, and not that you need to use every single one of them, but having the knowledge of what some of them are, and then realizing that, oh, I could be doing things a different way, or my code could be more reusable if I made these types of changes, or could be more Uh, consistent if I made these types of changes. I saw, I've always had an issue with the factory pattern, Mm -hmm. and... I saw an implementation of the factory pattern at the meetup last night, and I just sort of went, oh, that makes total sense. See, I've been doing now a lot I, of factories lately, it. but I don't know if I'm doing them correctly. If it helps you, it's correct. I, that's one of the caveats, and I think the introduction to the, the books is these are ideas, these are patterns we mm-hmm. like and we use, but don't think you have to. Right. It's, this is only useful if it's useful. Um, and if you're if if you get comfortable enough with them to use them when you want to, and decide not to, 
that's fine. Just it's just important to get comfortable with with enough of them so that you can improve your code base. Mm-hmm. And and we use tools in PHP Storm that notify us of bad patterns and bad smells all the time. You know, well, I have literally every every controller I have gives me an error about uh, class has three parent classes. Consider using an appropriate design pattern. So hmm. that's I I uh, can't remember what plugin I have that does this. Oh, here we go. PHP Inspections Extended gives me a whole list of architecture recommendations. So if you want to get better design patterns, then just have your IDE tell you you could use a better design pattern right here, and it'll tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. coding is the, the, the best way to learn coding. You know, what's funny is like the 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 issue I have with um, using some design patterns is being known for using those design patterns. So it's like I feel like at work I'm I'm the guy pushing the repository pattern. It's like, oh yeah, we do this because this is Eric's pattern. This is what Eric likes to, likes to see. I'm like, no, we, we we should be doing this because we all agree this this makes sense as a, as the code you know as a whole. But yeah, ultimately it's like, yeah, no, it's because I said so. <laughs> the joy of being so, the owner. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, I think John can relate to this. Thomas, you might be able to relate to it as well. You surround yourself with enough smart people. Unfortunately, you could spend all day just talking about code and talking about approaches and talking about how to implement things. At some point, somebody has to put their foot down and say, "Okay, I've heard it. I've heard all the, all the discussions. Here's how we're doing it. Let's go. You know, yeah. Start generating some code." And I've I've well, learned that from bosses in the past where I've said, I, "I think you're wrong about this," and he said, "Whether or not I'm wrong, we need to get it done. So just do it my way." Yeah. And that's an important skill to have. Well, I go back to, I made a huge mistake a, f- a few years ago for like one of our very first clients. And I really wanted to do the eat your own dog food API first design, right? So I, we created the API and then I made the website use the API, but not directly within the code. It was actually, you make a call to the website and then the website was making yet another HTTP call to the API. And that just, that extra latency was ridiculous. You know, looking back now, it's like, no, I could have used the API differently, used it internally to my application and still technically been using it. It was just, it, it seemed like such a waste at that point. But I already gone went way too far down the road before I realized it. I'm trying to look up who it is that's doing a, a whole guide right now on HTTP codes. Do you guys know who that is? I thought it was Fabian Potentier. I've, I mean, I've seen lots of those things around. Not necessarily a single person. Yeah, I just I just uh, threw one of them in my Evernote, I believe. Why? See where I got that. What are you looking because it up it's, for? Because it's great. It's it's this this idea of a little knowledge versus a lot of knowledge, and it, and you reminded me of it because of the way you were were requesting things through that API. But it also it ties into what we're saying is that we use HTTP codes all the time, two uh, hundreds and five hundreds and 
and mm-hmm. 404s, 404s and stuff. Yeah. But there's a an absolute ton of codes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and then you get the people that are so like, no, you need to throw this this error code, not that one. But yeah, and that's it, a big restful the... thing. Yeah, because rest counts on the HTTP code as part of the response, not the, mm-hmm. the contents exclusively. Um, boy, I'm what a bummer! I can't find this. Uh, I've seen some very funny ones out there too. I'm confused. So. I will I will switch over to New Relic. I know we've talked about it in the past, but geez, I love those custom metrics. Being able to kind of it's so expensive. I know, but being able to, to kind of profile your code in a in production somewhat seamlessly without adding too much overhead is pretty nice because we know where we have some bottlenecks, but trying to dig down and figure out where they're at has only been possible with the custom metrics. And just before we started recording tonight, I opened up a pull request to say, in the custom metric, if it's above a certain threshold, hit us in Slack, because all we're seeing in New Relic is kind of averages, right? But Mm -hmm. I want to give me more data at this point, like, okay, what user's logged in and is experiencing this, so I can go and kind of replicate what they're doing not personally identify, identifiable information, just kind of a user ID so I know where it's happening so I can start figuring out the data, the data set I need. Reached out to New Relic to be a sponsor of WavePHP and they turned me down. It's annoying and I talk about them on the show oh, and I shun it. All the more reason really? I don't like them. Really? That's, the, Dude, that's, actually, that's the confusing like part. I reached out to all these services that I think I don't know that all developers know about your service. This would be a great fit, you know. Sponsor us, let us, you know, tout your product. And we had one company come back and say they couldn't because of legal reasons. I still don't get that. So weird. Well, yeah, it's that thing we did that one time. Well, this is a service that one of our clients actually pays for. It's the only reason I knew about them is they they stumbled upon it somewhere and started paying. So I was like, "Hey, this is actually a good service. Why don't we, you know, why don't you sponsor?" We, we've actually Wave had PHP. some pretty weird. We've actually had some pretty weird responses to to the trying to find sponsors. I don't know, but yeah, the the whole legal thing was, was different. <laughs> uh, Everpot. You know, do you guys subscribe to Everpot? That seems like a random word. What? I don't even know what Everpot is. Everett Everett Pot. That's his. That's his name. Oh, Everett. 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 No, Everett. E V E R T. Everett Pot is his last name. Yeah. Uh, great blogger. Alright. Uh, and yeah, he's been doing a series breaking down all of the HTTP status codes, <sighs> one at a time. Ah, I see this. And they're pretty cool. Uh, stuff like 101 switching protocols. Uh, you, you just found this. I've been looking for Pulled it for like 10 ass. minutes you now. Pull this out of your ass. 102, 102 processing is one I really like. It's it's He says it's a rare status code. I think this is the one that PHP cannot do, but Node can. And it's 
It just says, yeah, I got your request, but hold on, I'm still thinking. <laughs> oh, so it's not, it has nothing to do with streaming. It's, it's holding a connection open. That's Yeah, that's a different one. The streaming is a different one. Uh, it, yeah, interesting stuff. I, I, I like the inside of the uh, inside of the browser look. But I still don't know why you would use the processing one. You're just sending that header over and over again, basically holding the connection open, which it should be open anyway. Well, the the idea is that the browsers nowadays are becoming more and more complex creatures. Apps are being written completely in HTTP. And adding functionality like method failure, a proxy authentication timeout or required, or uh, payment required, 402, payment required. I mean, these kinds of things can result in new functionality in web applications that doesn't exist yet. So if you but if you have a 402, also be... you can still return an HTTP request, but it can also signal to the browser that uh, a credit card was needed or some other message should be displayed. Or you know, if you're writing a plugin for Chrome and Firefox and Edge and what have you, it might be these might be important indicators that you can grab to display additional behaviors. The problem is there's no true standard set currently. I mean, you can put there's whatever literally code a standardized you want. set. It's not standard. You could return any code you want. You can. You can, and you can give it any name you want. Sure, but these are all. These are all, or they they're mostly handled by RFCs. Uh, Microsoft has introduced some. Google has introduced some. But there's sort of a there's a consortium working on these kinds of things. Is it consortium or consortium? I don't know. You're the one running a conference. <laughs> the schedule or schedule? Schedule. Schedule. Excited about the keynote though. The what? Keynote. The keynote speaker. The keynote. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm dropping a couple things in the show notes. I mean, not a whole lot to talk about here, but I'm dropping a couple. Uh, I've gotten stuck. I, I've gotten hooked on this Wired magazine series where they like explain things, and they've had a couple now that I've been like, that was that was very entertaining. Um, one was uh, they had a you know a hacker that was talking about the methods used by I guess Ocean's Eight, the, the new Ocean's movie. Uh, had a hacking aspect to it, and he was essentially breaking down some of the methods that the, the hacker was using in the movie. And it was just like it was, you know, it was kind of doom and gloomy. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was, you know, it was cool because he's like, yeah, you know, what she just did is a real thing, and and this is how it's done, and and it does a really good job at explaining stuff. Oh, it's I, a video too. It's, it's not an article you have to read. Yeah, it's a video. Uh, he, he, it's really good for. I mean, obviously the geeks will like it. I'm sure a lot of people will will find flaws with it, but it's more for like I want I want to show my wife, my kids this, and say, yeah, this stuff is real. This is how it's happened. This is why I tell you you have to be careful when you do certain things, um, because he does a really good job of breaking it down. But then I watched another one yesterday that I just I fell in love with, and it's. Uh, it was this uh, person discussing quantum computing and she's explaining quantum computing to 
like these varying levels of people who would understand. So she starts with like a very young child. I mean, the kid must have been like 10 years old or something. And she explains what quantum computing is. And then she moves on to, it might have been like a high schooler, and then somebody starting college, and somebody very deep into a computer science degree. And, you know, then eventually uh, she ends up talking to other quantum compute people. I've seen something and, very, just, very similar to this, not quantum computing, but just a different topic where they do that same thing, trying to explain something to five different levels of people. It is entertaining. The quantum computing is just absolutely fascinating. I'm like, wow, I, I like want to do this now. This, that, that is, that is so cool that that sort of thing is still, you say, you say fascinating. I say horrifying. Yeah. Well, you should, you should listen to the, her explain it because you might feel better about it, but it's, it is super, super impressive. uh, What, what they're trying to accomplish. And, And she's very honest about, the challenges that they have and whether or not they'll be able to accomplish it and how, <laughs> you know, people just say, Oh yeah. You know, uh, encryption keys aren't going to matter because you have quantum computers. And, and she's like, yeah, in theory, this is true, but we're so far off from being able to do that still. And kind of explains a lot of that. It, it's good stuff. I don't know what's yeah, in there's... the actual content of the video, but I like the first comment on YouTube. My computer costs $600 and can run Minecraft and Calculator at the same time. <laughs> Which one is that? The quantum yeah. computing one? Yeah. Bad news yeah. is it can't. It just stops running Minecraft while you're running the calculator for a short enough time that you don't notice. I, we need to see if Talia Gershon can come and do a keynote for us. Who? Uh, she seems oh, the, this the woman chick, yeah. the, the quantum computing lady. She works at uh, IBM Research? Yeah. Yeah, she she's, she seems really cool. I like I, I loved listening to her explain things. It was it was very enjoyable. By yeah, the way, think... nope, I'm going back to the keynote. Eric, our second keynote confirmed today. Oh, who is it? Well, I can't dun, tell you dun, yet. Dun, yeah, dun, I know. Dun, dun, so so we have dun, our clo- we have our closing keynote now. Awesome. All right, we'll have to add that person to to. Uh, the schedule the that we're doing, the schedule. I assume uh, airfare and all that. I, I love that I've the torture asked, both ends and sure. starts for me in the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know who the keynote speaker is. Well, you don't anymore. Funny, funny thing is, Thomas, you do. You you know who the, you know who the second keynote speaker is. I guarantee you, you know this person. Well, you well, know not, the person. It's not right Everett now. Pot. Hmm, is it? And it's not. It's not Talia Gershon. But... God, I hate you guys. <laughs> how long is it going to be this time? Like three, three months? <laughs> yeah, after the, after the during, conference. During the final keynote, I'll go, oh, okay. Let's have the lights flashing. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Funny. It ends up being Soon. me. I'm just standing on stage. <laughs> Don't know how I got there. <laughs> Uh, I, microwaves. I told, I told John, Did you know your microwave spying on you? <laughs> <laughs> Doom and Gloom 101. I told John, I swear, if I could have figured out a way to tweet that out and block you from seeing the tweet, I, to- I totally would have done that. Not in a mean way. Nobody tell real right out. Yeah, Not, yeah just yeah. in a way that friends no. do to other friends. A, lo- on, a loving brotherly podcast. sort of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a loving brotherly 
Yes, we have another another speak. Well, that's cool. Well, that that takes a little stress off my shoulders. Yep. I, I'm very curious to hear what the topic is. I asked this person what it was. It, as of five hours ago, they finally got back to me and said, I'm in. So then I said, all right, well, I need the title. And do you need airfare <laughs> and hotel cover? Or will your employer pay for that? Hint, 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 hint. hint. <laughs> Does your employer want to be a sponsor? Your your employer is big enough. They, they probably make good money. Hint. <laughs> I hope, my, I, I hope they're not company, listening to this it? episode. No. <laughs> I don't know what we would even present on. Well, you know you'd present on. I just don't know that... It, I think it might break the code of conduct. <laughs> it might? In, just maybe? Possibly. <laughs> I've been working on a, on our, on, on a different uh, branch of our brand identity lately. It's been distressing. <laughs> it, was, it was fine until just getting like a specific streaming service up and running and a lot of a lot of uh just sort of shock exposure just sudden oh my god like that kind of oh my god i forget what i do for a living jeez you really you really do i work with like a stock of 15 images that i cycle through on their test systems and our development systems and Mm. you know after three years you get real real image blind to a lot of this stuff and sometimes uh-huh. stuff will get updated, and it's just like bam, <laughs> and and yeah, it can be it can be rough occasionally. Mm. Oh um, God, you guys ready for some doom and right. gloom? Oh, I thought we were ending. Oh, man, I was so ready to wrap this. I mean, that's up. that's. I mean, to me, this is my this is my doom and gloom today. Is I have nothing. That oh. that makes me feel there's, that makes me feel as bad as I could about doom and gloom. You you do have quite the reputation of being Mr. Doom and Gloom now. Well, we've we've long held the rule of no politics and things have just Which become such a shit show that all of my doom and gloom is politics now. As politics have have woven their way into everything I hate. Yeah. And yeah. But God, we can't talk about it. No. Can't. Yeah, I can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. Wouldn't want a big crying baby. <laughs> That would be bad. I don't appreciate it when you say I cried, Thomas. <laughs> Not crying. I got whiskey on my cheeks. Shut All up. All right. Is that it? Are we uh, done with I'm, episode I'm afraid so. I'm afraid we've, we've done it to our listeners again. Oh, who, who saw the tweet, by the way? Did anybody see the tweet about about how often we, uh, we record? No? No. Really? no. You guys have got to follow Twitter. No. Closer. I uh, do. I do. What? what? What are you talking about? Somebody, somebody tweeted. I, I, I can't. Dev, Delosaurus, Delosaurus, de, 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 de I don't. I think it's a developer, dinosaurs. Anyways, he has a. He posts a, a list of all the podcast shows he's listening to. It's PHP Ugly. Oh, I did see. Da, Dads and Dev, PHP Ugly, PHP Roundtable, PHP Ugly, <laughs> uh, North Meets South, PHP Ugly, and then he says. He says, chatty dudes at PHP Ugly, catching up on various PHP podcasts, I have more of the ugly than the rest combined. We set a high bar. I like it. <laughs> I, I think some of the other podcasters have just stopped recording. They're like, oh, forget it. Forget it. These guys are just like, they talk too much. and They, they have nothing good to say. So 
But yeah, it's always it's always hasn't fun stopped to see us those yet. Devlasaurus, De- De- thank you, thank you for the the nod. We do appreciate it. I forget. I mean, honestly, I do forget. We we have people who listen on a fairly regular basis that we'll we'll hear from, and it's it's always good. And you kind of get used to like that friendship, like hearing from them. But I still forget that like other random people listen to us. Like this conversation isn't between the three of us. Other people, my little my little niece who just spent a couple of weeks out here with us, uh, went back to, back to Pittsburgh and. You know, she commented on the last show. I'm like, oh, shit, why is she listening to us? <laughs> you know, she's going to hear this one, too. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure she's, she's fallen asleep by now. I mean, I, 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 I give people credit who listen, but I really tip my cap to people who get through the entire show. It's like, yeah, that's... You guys are... Yeah, you're glutton for punishment. You know that as editor, I have to get through the entire show twice. <laughs> yeah and yeah i know i know i mean i i need to pick up the editing duties i've just been i've been so busy uh, so i appreciate you doing that well, i can't i i was gonna get on your case about it but you guys are both uh trying to organize a conference so i i figure that your guys work is a little <laughs> on the harder scale than mine i'm i'm trying to figure out why this thing keeps saying anal when it's not an anal scene <laughs> Real world problems of the you know coders in the porn industry. <laughs> it's like, what are, what am I missing here? Uh, uh, we really we really need to dive into your work one day, Thomas. I really uh, I talked, still want to do. Show, and I, I love the fact how open you are about the fact that you work in the adult industry. You code, and a lot of the code you do is around porn sites. But that's not all you yeah. code. I mean, no, it's not. You don't only code porn sites. You do, you do management stuff. Yeah, CMS is for porn sites. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> it's still the same. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's not for pleasure. It's for business, yeah, right? And what's been interesting to me is that it's been—I think it's been close to ten years where it's been adult content only for me. Right. I've I've worked right. with this kind of stuff just for so long now. That it doesn't strike you, me at all. And you've worked for, you, again, you've been open about this. I don't think I'm, I'm shocking anybody here, but you, you've been pretty honest that, that you've worked for some shady people and you've, oh yeah, you've made, you've made moral decisions to move on. And, and fortunately we know where you work now. We actually know some of the people you work with and know that despite being in the you know, adult industry, you know, a lot of people have some moral judgments around that, that, the company and the people you work for are actually very good people. And great, uh, yeah, great people. I'm yeah, I'm a huge fan um, of everybody I work with. It's it's nice to have a company that that I can say, yeah, oh, no, I like all these guys. They're great. Yeah, yeah. We we should uh, we should dive into that at some point. I think I think people who listen to the show would would appreciate that. I've I've been meaning to to put together a presentation on the. I was going to say the ins and outs, but that doesn't work. That's horrible. <laughs> the ups and downs. The ups, nope, no, nope, that doesn't work. No, nope, nope. The give and take. No, nope, yeah. no. Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still working on the title. Yeah. Still working on the title of that presentation. <laughs> <laughs> once I get the once I get the title straightened out. Nope, no, that's not. 
not gonna work. Rubbing out good code. Nope, that's bad. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Banging on the keyboard. No. <laughs> That's a good one, man. I like that one. So, no, I've, I, there's a lot to learn from working in this industry specifically, and I think uh, there's a lot of presentations to give. I, you know, my number one thing is security. Uh, you know, I'm a security-focused person, generally speaking, and guess who all the biggest targets are? Yeah. So yeah, sure. that's something that we just have to be constantly aware of, and I've learned a lot of lessons from it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll have an episode. I'll go over a bunch of different stuff when I'm not feeling like my head's going to explode. We need to do an AMA with you. Uh, you know, this this week on PHP Ugly AMA, the real write out, doom, gloom, and boobs. My boss has <laughs> not been against it in the past. Uh, doing a Reddit AMA. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, then screw Reddit. Well, man. but then Pornhub PHP beat us Ugly. to it. Oh really? They beat you to it? Yeah, I can't use that. Can't use that either. Uh, uh beat us to it. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see. <laughs> oh, All right, I think I was wrapping this up. We were. We're gonna wrap. We're, we're gonna wrap this up again. Let's wrap it up again. <laughs> You've been listening to episode one thirteen of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Wrightout. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.